Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am very excited for my guest, Molly Kaiser. Welcome, Molly. Hello. Super excited to be chatting with you today. Well, I am very excited as well. When I found out about your expertise, you know, what I love about this podcast, frankly, and having experts on it is like, I get free coaching. (laughs) I get to ask all my questions that I have about these topics. And then I'm sure that my questions are also my audience's questions. So it works out perfectly. So first, I would like to let you introduce yourself. Yeah, awesome. So thanks again for having me. Hello, everyone. My name is Molly. And I'm from Wisconsin. You can probably detect the accent, but I actually live in New Mexico. And my business journey, I actually started out as a photographer. And I was able to grow that from 81 cents in my pocket to a multiple six-figure studio. And so other people started asking me how I did it. And that turned into me doing coaching and workshops and things like that, which I loved, but I found myself trading just even more of my time for money. So I found out about online courses and I decided to take all that information, put it into my own online course and kind of the rest is history. So it was very easy for me to fall in love with courses because I was able to gain my time back and also help a lot of people and grow my wealth at the same time. So do you still work? uh, Do you now only do courses or do you do one-on-one work? How do you work with your clients? Who are your clients and how do you work with them? Yeah, great question. So my ideal client is a service provider, like a one-on-one freelancer. I mean, I will work with men, but women are definitely like my ideal client. Just because, you know, I was a freelancer trading my time for money with photography. But to answer your question, yes, I 100% do courses now. Courses have been my full-time income since 2015. And I did a little bit of photography, but I have slowly transitioned out of it because I just really love courses and helping people now turn their knowledge into their own online course. Now, I mean, 2015, seven years ago... So things have changed a lot technology-wise, I would imagine, during that time in terms of being able to create, publish, distribute, monetize courses. Yes. I love this question. I actually haven't been asked this one yet, but I think this is a fantastic question. Yeah. So back when I started courses in like 2014, which kind of shows you it only took me really a year to make it my full time, which was pretty cool. And back then, I remember like I had to learn HTML to hand code sections of my website. You know, I'm like the MySpace generation. So I used to hand code, like I marketed on MySpace (laughs) back in the day. 
but yeah, so we had to like hand code websites. It was a lot of WordPress. You know, I was using a software back then, which I think it still does exist today called Entreport, which is great, but it's just, it's very robust and there's still a lot more options now. And so I always love when people come to me and they're like, I want to have an online course, but I feel like I missed the boat. I feel like it's going to be so much harder now. And I actually feel and know because I've started other courses along the way that it's easier now because the technology is laughably easier, (laughs) in my opinion. And also people actually know what an online course is now. Like back in the day, not only did I have to educate them about my actual course topic and like why they would want to purchase it, but I also had to educate them on like, what is a course? How do I log in? You know, these are things that people didn't really understand back then. So one other thing is if you want data to back up what I just said, if you Google the e-learning industry, It'll show you that analysts projected that the e-learning industry would hit, I believe it was like 105 billion by 2015, and it did. And now they're projecting by, I believe it's 2024, 325 billion. And it just keeps skyrocketing. Like companies are even hiring people like me or anyone that has a course to come into their company and teach the course. Like there's just so many levels of opportunity now. Absolutely. Yeah, I like to say that I was ahead of my time. I mean, even before we started recording, I mentioned my misadventures with LinkedIn Live today and that <laughs> I am a tech Luddite. And it was easily, I mean, you know, 10 years ago or something where I had would have ideas for things that I wanted to do online, but it was just so complicated. Like, I mean, for me, it was just like, forget yeah. about it. <laughs> and so now I'm very excited that technology is caught up to my abilities, <laughs> I think is the way I, I love it. <laughs> So we're going to talk about courses, course creation. So tell me, does everyone have a course in them? I love this question. Yes, I wholeheartedly, like this is kind of the thing that people tell me is my thing is like helping someone kind of extract like what their course idea is. And we do actually have like a freebie that will help you with that. If you go to our website, it's profitablecourses.com, but I'll talk about it here regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone has a profitable course idea inside of them and your profitable course idea can actually be any idea, but you have to just position it in a way that will make it profitable. So I'll kind of break that down if you want me to. Yeah, that would be great. Yes. Okay, cool. So how I found my first profitable course idea is like I said, I was running my photography studio and you'd think it would have been pretty easy for someone to look and be like, oh, well, duh, she should have a course on photography, you know? But for some reason, I think sometimes even when the course idea is so close to us, sometimes we still don't necessarily see it. So like for me at the time, I heard about courses and I knew I could just transition like my workshop and that into a course, but I thought, well, maybe that's not the idea. Maybe I should do this idea or that idea. And so I decided to come up with a bunch of different ideas before I chose the one, which is what I recommend you to do. So what I did was I looked at past things that I have accomplished, past things with my story, like what are things that I've personally overcome? So what I looked at in the past was way back in the day, I had like a very successful babysitting business. I was like, well, maybe I could teach like parents how to help their kids be like successful babysitters. I'm like, okay, that's an idea. And then I looked at my passions. I'm like, okay, well, I really like hiking. So maybe I can help women that want to get into hiking, but just don't know where to start. Like I could help them hike their first trail or something like that. I really like painting. Maybe I could help someone go from never having painted before to like painting something they would be proud to hang on their wall. So I basically just went down all these ideas based on my passions, my knowledge, like past experiences. 
And everyone has that past experience in them, you know, and the cool thing is, for example, you don't have to be, say, a gardening expert featured on homes and gardens to teach someone how to start their very first home garden. I always tell my students, you know, you really only need to know like 10% more than who you're teaching. And another analogy I like to use is when I was in college, which I did drop out, but when I was in college, (laughs) I took this business class and my business professor, he was like telling us how to have a great business. And I couldn't help but like giggle inside because he had never had a business before. And for me, it's like, I would rather learn from someone who has 10% more experience than me than just a piece of paper. Now, nothing wrong with getting a college degree, but like, I would rather learn from someone that has paper or not, the experience, you know? And so, like I said, just look back at your past history. What have you accomplished? What have you helped other people with? What are you passionate about? And then come up with a bunch of different ideas and then look at which one's going to be the most fun, the most profitable, the easiest, and then choose the one course idea to start with. Now, does any of this change when you are a B2B service provider? So your current clients are all corporations or other businesses. How do we look at course creation differently versus the B2C kind of courses? Yeah, interesting. My photography course was B2B. So I helped other photography businesses. Mm -hmm. And then I did have at one point like a low carb course. So that was B2C. And I'm thinking in my head right now, like I can't really think of any differences. Are you thinking in terms of like, legal or like something else? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> You're definitely I'll the expert on that. <laughs> and that's not, I don't think anyone in my audience is a lawyer. I will say that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just if they're thinking about, instead of thinking about passions, maybe, you know, more for like how to market it, maybe. Or are you thinking like maybe how it's different to market it? Is that like the way for them to think about like what ideas, like instead of being about their passions, maybe it's more Mm. and like the student focus, like what do my clients need that I can bundle in a way and teach? Okay, totally get it. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. So, Yeah. yeah, with any course idea, you always want to, and that's what I said earlier. I was like, you can do any idea, but in order for it to be profitable, it's about how you position it. So whether it's B2B or B2C, you always want to position it with the result in mind. So for example, my course is called Profitable Courses. So very short name. And it's like, you know, the result, the result is you're going to leave with a profitable course, right? And so I always have my students come up with their promise statements, which basically I'll just share an example. Instead of saying like, I'm a bookkeeper Or instead of saying, I have a course for bookkeeping. Okay, that's pretty vague. Maybe you could put that on Skillshare and charge like 19 bucks for it, right? But if you change that statement to say something like, well, I help lawyer business owners who sell contracts (laughs) online for other online business owners, how to better do their bookkeeping to raise their profit margins. Now it's so specific with the result that you could charge, you know, 997 plus. So a great question. I think whether it's B2B or B2C, I think it's no different, but either way, you have to make sure that you are clear on the promise and the result because people aren't going to buy. They're not going to be like, wow, she has 13 modules. (laughs) People want to buy knowing like I can get the result she's promising as quickly and painlessly as possible. Like someone would rather take a, like if I'm going to teach you the same thing, they'd rather learn it in three modules than 13 modules. So. Oh, that is so true. I will say, <laughs> I mean, I've looked at online course. I'm sure everybody has an online course. It's great. 
good and bad, and maybe several of both. And I will say I am allergic now to like dozens of like, I'm like, nope, I'm out. Like, there's just no way I will do because I've never once completed one, right? We go through that and you, you learn that lesson. Yeah, and, people, uh, yeah, people want, they want to pay for the win. They want to pay for the result. They don't want to pay for like the work they're going to have to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't remember who said like, it. Yeah, um, that just, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately can't remember the person who said the quote. So feel free to share it with me, whoever's listening to this. <laughs> but someone once said like, you want to sell them the vacation and not the plane flight. Like you want to sell them, you know, the results uh-huh. and not like the work it's going to uh-huh. I'll, you know, they want to do as little work as possible to get the results. So, oh, that's I like that. So, <laughs> that's perfect. Hey, everyone, a quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah. So, well, you mentioned pricing. Let's go there. So we do see those, uh, was it Skillshare for 19 bucks versus <laughs> your own for $9.97? Like, what is the difference between those two courses? Oh, I love this. Okay. I know I'm saying that about every question, but you're a good interviewer. So great job. So with Skillshare, people a lot of times can say like, well, why can't I just learn it on Google? Or why can't I just go to YouTube or Skillshare or whatever? And the thing is that people will pay, like I said, for the result, they'll pay for how quickly and painlessly also how much like support they're getting and how well organized the course is. I could be very wrong here, but I personally have never had a friend say to me like, oh my God, I just took this $19 course from, you know, whatever website. There's a ton of websites that host like low priced courses, you know, and they're like, it changed my business. I made six figures. And again, it could happen. I have personally never experienced that. I've also never personally had someone say to me like, I watched this YouTube video. Now I have a seven figure business. Like... (laughs) The difference is that, again, people will pay for the results. So for example, like we have students in our course, you know, making tens of thousands of dollars within just a couple months. And, you know, we've worked really hard to take our system that works for us and put it into the course. So it's like tried and true. And it also is taught every video is like eight minutes or less. And people will pay for that. They pay for the organization of it. Because on YouTube, I do teach a lot of course tips, but it's not laid out like a course. Like you can't just watch... I mean, there's hundreds of videos right. <laughs> and it would be harder to put it all together. Like I obviously want to share with my audience like tips and show them, you know, that if they put into play what I'm sharing, it will help them so that they can trust me and hopefully want to take my full course. But yeah, I mean, the main difference, like I said, is just with the lower price courses, typically it's like a bunch of stuff kind of thrown in and it's not laid out like a roadmap to get you the result that they're promising. And also like once you really do a course well, you'll start to get a lot of testimonials and that will also really help you with the pricing. So to answer your question about pricing, I recommend that my students price anywhere between $2.97 and $19.97. And the reason I do that, the reason I chose that range is because first of all, I've done a lot of courses and I've tested it. 
And if you go lower than 297, eventually, if you want to scale, it becomes very hard to do so. Your profit margins are just too small, Mm -hmm. unless you have some massive organic following, Mm -hmm. which you don't have to have, by the way. And then if you go above 1997, that typically will involve you doing high ticket sales and having a sales team to take those calls. So 297 and 1997 is really that sweet spot where you can sell one to many and have a webinar and automate it, which everyone wants the automated passive income, which is incredible. And then when it comes down to choosing the price between those ranges, if you really will base it based on the result. So for example, if you have a course where you're going to help someone make X amount of dollars in X amount of time. Like let's say your course is set up to make someone $9.97 in a month. Okay, so now that you know the range is $2.97 to $19.97, I would recommend that you just pick the price in between that based on the result that your course is getting. So the result can be money made, time saved, stress saved, any of those things. And then you would just base it based on that. And then you can market saying you're going to get this result in this amount of time. And then that way they know that they'll be willing to pay that. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. I love that. All right. So creating a course, pricing a course, arguably the easy part, building the audience to sell it to. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And so what I've heard about courses is that you need to have, like it's a volume play. You need to have a really big audience in order to create a course. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't make sense. So is this true? How big of an audience do you need? What do you need? I love that. Yeah. So you don't actually really need that big of an audience. Whether you have an audience or not, I still have all of my students build an audience of buyers separately. And all you need is 200. So you can grow those from scratch or you can like move them from another social platform that you already have. And just by having those 200, you know, I've used this method over and over. I call this my profitable course kickstart method. But just from those 200, I was able to generate $17,000 in enrollments in 30 days with no ads. And countless amounts of my students have done way more than that. I've had students do 36,000 in 30 days. So and that's just with a few hundred people. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's more about the quality than the quantity of people. Okay. How do you know? So let's say like I just hang out on LinkedIn and I have an email newsletter list. Like how do I know what the quality? Yeah. LinkedIn is perfect. So if you don't already have a following, Mm -hmm. I recommend you start with a group. It can be a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group. Mm -hmm. And if you do already have a following, you can use that platform or you can move those people into your group. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) So for example, let's say you already, or like, tell me about your following. Maybe I can just sort of workshop you through it. Yeah. So on LinkedIn, I have, I guess, around 2000 followers. I haven't looked at connections. I guess I look at that too, but you have a LinkedIn group. No, I mean, I have a business page that doesn't really do anything. So it's just Aaron Austin. And there are groups that I'm a member of, but there's not, you know, LinkedIn isn't really much like Facebook. Like the groups, there's not a lot of activity happening in the groups. They're pretty dead zones. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't already have a Facebook group, then I would recommend starting one. And I know everyone's like, Facebook's dead, blah, blah, blah. Not dead. (laughs) 
And I'm not saying you're going to go on there forever. This is just going to be your platform to grow those 200 quickly to start making money quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to move to more of like a long-term platform. So it could be YouTube, Instagram, slash TikTok, LinkedIn, you know, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But in order to do the kickstart and like get those sales really quickly, mm-hmm. like I said, whether you have a following or not, you're going to start that group and you're going to get people into it. So if you already have a following, it's easy because you can promote, you know, to tell people to go into the group. If you don't already have a following, it's still easy, but here's what you're going to do. <laughs> so what you do is you start the group and you name it based on a community that your ideal client would want to be part of. Cause that's the big thing. Like mm-hmm. people don't just want to join a group. That's like, come by my thing. Like, Mm-hmm. It's not how groups work. <laughs> people right. want to be part of a community of other people like them trying to get the same result that they want to get. And so if you have friends on Facebook, you can look through that list and say like, okay, well, which of these people do I think are ideal clients and invite them to your group? Otherwise you can go into other groups, start adding value, you know, connecting, networking, making friends with people. You can friend them and then invite them into your group. And once you get to 50, which you should be able to do in just like one to two days, mm-hmm. uh, once you get to 50, Is that one five or five zero? Five zero. Five zero. Okay. Yep. So once you get to 50, you can do what I call a group grow. So what that is, is where you do like a giveaway. So you can choose a prize, whether it's like a one-on-one with you or something else. And basically you'll say like, Hey, you know, invite your friends and make sure you specify that they're your ideal client and whoever invites the most people wins the prize. And then your group will explode from there. Mm, How interesting. That's all I did to get to 200. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting because Facebook, I mean, I have my own private Facebook profile. I don't have a business one there. And when I am in Facebook groups, I do have some that are business based, but they're on Facebook, like, you know, a podcast or something that I follow, they have a Facebook group. And so, yeah. So even though I don't hang out there for business, I guess we all kind of have, you know, some kind of footprint on Facebook. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Because unfortunately LinkedIn's groups and this is not where they put their focus. Really, it's about the human and creating your kind of personal brand. I think that's what they call it actually, you know, your personal brand there. So yeah, you probably would that group idea probably need to be done somewhere else other than than on LinkedIn. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I've had students do it on both with success, but I definitely think Facebook is easier. And then you can pivot somewhere else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've had clients who've successfully made LinkedIn groups and use the rapid growth strategy on LinkedIn. Yeah, they just use the exact same strategy there as well. And I've been testing this same, like not the group grow, but I've been testing the same scripts and strategies for the groups on Instagram and TikTok. And although they do work, Mm -hmm. those platforms just take longer to grow. And that's why like, if you don't already have an audience of buyers for your course, Facebook groups is still the fastest way to just get that initial following of buyers. And then you can go somewhere else that's more long, long-term play. So if you are someone that has in your head, like, well, I hate Facebook, well then just like utilize it to your advantage until it's gone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, so there's still 2 billion active users a month on it, which is a crap ton yeah. of people. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Now, now, what percentage of your audience will buy your course? I mean, on average, like what are the mm. 
Great. Okay. So I have this in my course. So hopefully I'm just saying it from recollection here, but I believe it's five to 10% of the group will purchase. And I give my students like scripts and everything. Basically what they do is once they've grown the group, I have these scripts that they post called interest posts that will get people raising their hand being like, oh, I'm interested. I want more information on this. Like you're never going to cold message people. I would never recommend that. People are just going to essentially like send an emoji, raise their hand, so to speak. And then you're going to be able to have a conversation with them and see if they're a good fit just through the DMs. So you don't have to do sales calls, nothing like that. And you don't even have to build your email list yet. I do teach how to build the email list, but we do things in steps and waves so that you start making money faster. Gotcha. So are you nurturing them inside the group then? Like, how are you keeping them in the group? I'm sorry, say that again. Are you nurturing them in the group? Oh, absolutely. So I always recommend that you come up with like five different types of categories of nurture things. You know, it can be like educational, it can be quotes, it can be engagement posts, you know, whatever it is. And then I use a tool called SmarterQ to automate everything. So it actually evergreens all of your content. It's not like Buffer where you just schedule it once and then it goes out and it's gone. You make buckets of content that recycle over and over to evergreen all the posts in your group, which is pretty cool. Hmm. I've never heard that one before. Okay, so I'll look at that. All right, well, that is very helpful because it makes it sound doable, which honestly, (laughs) it has (laughs) never seemed doable to me. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, (laughs) So what trends are you seeing in the course space? Ooh, good one. Let's think about this. Well, I do think that although technology is easier, there obviously are more people doing courses, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like I said, it more people are now educated about courses, but I think that it does mean that the average person probably has taken a course and whether they had a good experience or not, like I said, you know, you need to make sure your course gets them a result quickly, isn't cumbersome, inflated, you know what I mean? Because people will look at that. They're not just looking at, oh, it's a course, I'm going to buy it. They're looking at the result they're going to get, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think we all have a responsibility in some ways to rehabilitate some of the bad name that some courses, have, you know, some of the old yeah. ones, certainly. Um, yeah. So I'm so. trying to think of other trends. I would say as far as building a following, I would not sleep on TikTok. Like Mm -hmm. TikTok is so easy to grow on, in my opinion. And you can kind of create a funnel to move people from TikTok to Instagram and then kind of sell on there Mm -hmm. as your Mm long-term. Yeah. Have you seen any trends as someone who's, you know, purchased courses? Yeah. Just that people are super savvy about it. Just the things that you discussed. People have become very savvy about courses and they're using you know, more discernment when they're buying and their time is super precious and they definitely, they definitely less is more. That's definitely been my. Yeah. I would also say too, having payment options is good, especially, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are saying we're in a recession or going into a recession and, you know, I'm not like an analyst of that, but right. um, I would say give people options, you know, because maybe they want to pivot from their job or they've lost their job or whatever it is, whoever your ideal customer is, maybe they want options, you know, so pay in full payment plan, but then PayPal credit is a great one or some kind of option like that. And the reason I like PayPal credit is because it gives your customers six months interest free Oh, okay. because I don't necessarily 
love the idea of like, you know, I know that my course, if my student does it, will get them making money in way more than like before six months. <laughs> right. So I feel comfortable recommending that, you know, I don't want to see my students going into debt and hurting, you know, but I would say trending wise, I do see a lot of people offering PayPal credit, things like that. And just giving your consumer like options so they could choose what works best for them. That's great. I like that too. So this is the hourly to exit podcast. You know, we talk about building a scalable and saleable business. And so part of that is having exclusivity in our business through our intellectual property or through our positioning, as well as decoupling our founders income from their time, creating a business that is independent from the owner. And so when we look at courses and course creation, how does that fit into that hourly to exit journey? Okay. Yeah. So how does someone transition from their job to a course? Well, how about we look at courses? Do they help us separate our time from our income? Does Mm -hmm. it help us scale, bring leverage into our businesses and create assets? All of the above. (laughs) Yes. Leaving the witness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, when I had my photo studio, I loved it and it was great, but I just couldn't picture myself trading my time for money forever. I couldn't picture myself as like a 60 year old lady with like a 20 pound camera around my head, like climbing a ladder to get the shot. Like I just couldn't picture that. Although like, obviously I could do that. But yeah, so for me, it was more about like time freedom. You know, I wanted to be able to have the choice. I wanted to be able to have the choice of like what I do with my time and not be tied to that. So not only like the growing old vision, keep in mind, I was like 20 when I had that. So obviously 60 is not old, but for me, it was more like I would have shoots that would get booked like a year in advance. And so I would kind of be like tied into a contract. And that kind of gave me anxiety of like, well, I'm not really in control of my time. And I think a lot of freelancers can probably relate to that or people with nine to fives. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was the white space on the calendar (laughs) and also the scalability. It would have been extremely hard for me to reach seven figures as a photographer. It's been done, but statistically it's very a low stat. And I think it only took me three or four years. I had my first year, I made $200,000 with my first course. And then it just pretty much doubled from there. And so let's see. Yeah. It took me between three and four years to hit seven figures. And most of those years we had 80% profit margin with our course. So not only was it like I got my time back, it was scalable. Like the profit margins were incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm just such an advocate for courses and I love them so much. I want to be able to sleep in and every morning, like I never set an alarm (laughs) and I want to be able to choose like what I do when I do it and really be passionate about what I do. I could go on forever, but that's that's kind of the gist. That's a great job. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a very meta podcast where I talk to women about building businesses that they can sell someday. I am a woman who's building a business that I hope to sell someday. Yeah, you are a woman with an expertise-based business. Are you planning to sell your business someday? Oh, good question. Hmm. <laughs> How much time do we have left? <laughs> so I talked about my photography course and I don't actually have that course anymore. I did it for like seven years and long, long story short, when COVID hit, I knew that I would essentially need to redo pretty much everything because we employed all 100% women, aside from my husband. (laughs) 
And when COVID hit, you know, people lost their daycare, they lost their nannies. Like we had a lot of employees, you know, they couldn't work for us anymore. And the photographers weren't able to take shoots because of COVID, all these things. Mm -hmm. And over those years, I have actually always wanted to teach courses. So I just chose personally to pivot 100% full-time into my course now, Profitable Courses. But a lot of people have asked me, you know, why didn't you sell that company? (laughs) So for me, first of all, it was never my plan. So therefore it was not planned. (laughs) So, you know, it's hard to sell a company if that's not like your plan from day one. I think that that's really smart that you're already talking about that. So number one, we didn't really have a plan in place for that. Number two, I was the face of the company. And in order to sell your company, you do really need to be able to transition out of that. Mm -hmm. And I could do a whole episode on that. But number three, you need to have a buyer. And my course was specifically to help photographers transition into boudoir photography, which is like Mm. the nichiest of niches. And most of the people in the photography industry that purchase other businesses are men. And I did reach out to them, but they even said, they're like, I'm not interested in boudoir. Like, I don't understand it. Like, So you need to have all these components, you know, you need to have a sellable business and first, and also like if your employees don't have daycare, they don't have chocolate, they leave. Then if you don't have the employees that run the company, then you don't have a company anymore. So I think that's great that you talk about that with people right away, because you really need to have that exit strategy. So for this company, I am being more strategic about it, but I don't actually have a plan to sell it. Like this is my baby, like the thing I've been wanting to do forever. And I love it so much. And like, I just see myself doing this Mm -hmm. for the rest of time. (laughs) Well, I like to say it's fine for your business to be your baby, but like real babies, We raise them to grow up and be independent from us sometime. That's good. That is a win. That's not a loss. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just a decision, you know, like, especially if it's a personal brand, you have to decide, like, are you going to remove yourself as the face of the company? You know? Yeah. But I absolutely agree with you. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, (laughs) this has been wonderful. So as we wrap up, first of all, you mentioned a freebie earlier. So tell us about that. And then let us know where we can find you. Yeah, if you go to profitablecourses.com, we do have a freebie to help you find your course, your profitable course idea, your niche. I do also have a class. If you prefer to take like an on-demand workshop, I teach you how to find the profitable course idea, also how to create your curriculum for the course, and also how to start profiting from it in 30 days. And that's profitablecourses.com slash class. Awesome. And you're on all the socials? Socials. Yeah, I would say I'm mostly on, I mean, my Facebook group has, in just a couple of years, we have over like 6,500 people in it. It's one-on-one to passive income. (laughs) So you can check that out. And then I will, I do spend a lot of my time on Instagram as well. And that's at Molly M. Kaiser. Awesome. Well, thank you again. It has been wonderful to be here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And again, thank you so much. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.